This week on the Straight Talk, a mental health podcast, we're talking to young filmmaker Molly Leavers on her experience of bullying. I was kind of badly bullied at school and then I came out of that situation and I realised kind of how alone I felt during that time, even though I had like really supportive family. The friend group and everything was great for, for a few months and then suddenly it just kind of like went very, very toxic quite quickly and it would be it it would start off with like little things like there would be suddenly everyone would hate me I was so anxious and I was very very kind of suicidal at that time I'd always kind of struggled with depression but that just kind of like amplified it completely and there was just so many comments online about my appearance about kind of giving me giving me a, a bloody instruction on how to like tie a noose so that I can hang myself and everything like episode 121 of the straight talk and mental health podcast you're very welcome one to one this one being me to you the one the listener Thank you for joining me. My name is Alan Clark. I'm a psychotherapist with a degree in counselling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. This is not a psychotherapy podcast. This is a mental health podcast. This is the straight talking mental health podcast. That's exactly what we're here to do. And this week we are straight talking bullying, a very big, very big topic, Uh, not just because of people that may currently be going through it, but also the impact that people have experienced as a result of bullying and how that carries through into adult life. We're talking to Molly Leavers later on, a young filmmaker who just won an award during the week for an upcoming script. Congratulations to Molly. You're going to hear her story. Molly is a young filmmaker, so she's not too far out of school and not too far removed from her experience of bullying. So this is still pretty fresh. It's something that still affects her. And coming up later on, Molly tells us about the experience she had of bullying in school, the name calling, the being left out, the cyberbullying and how that still goes on as as I make the point you know at least back in the day back in my old days at least when you got to go home from school the bullying stopped but now now it's a continuous ongoing experience for many people through cyberbullying Molly tells us how she was given instructions on how to kill herself comments made online fake accounts group chats all of that set up so it's an absolutely vital conversation that we are here to straight talk the impact that it had on Molly and as I said the impact of bullying in adults that I work with and how it impacted them as they were growing up so this doesn't just end when you finish school or you get away from your bully or you you may finish that job or that career that you know you might have been bullied in this stuff stays with us and carries through but thankfully Molly is out the other side of it now she still has some triggers as she'll talk about in in her interview later on so it's a great great chat coming up and definitely one for you to stick around and listen to because she's a very young smart woman and we wish her all the best in the future she won't tell us unfortunately what's coming up for her but she's got some big news that i hope she will fill us into when the time comes when she can talk about it so that's coming up pretty soon before all of that you know what to do folks quick plug on the social media if you haven't already if you're a first time listener you can check us out all across the board the handle on all of them on facebook on instagram on twitter and tiktok the handle on all of those is at STMH Podcast. You can also check out the website. That is www.stmhpodcast.com. It's a very common theme you've got here, folks. STMH Podcast across the board. 
If you'd like to come on, tell your story, as Molly did, you can do that by hitting up on the, any of the social media, slide into the DMs. I'm absolutely cool with that. Or you can also email, and that is hello at stmhpodcast.com. So that's where you may want to come on and tell your story, or if you've got some feedback around an episode we've just had, or an episode you've just listened to, or if you would like to tell your story via text. You know, maybe it's not something that you're comfortable coming on to tell your story, and you'd like to do it that way. That's 100% all right, too. So feel free to drop that email. If you haven't already, check out the YouTube channel again with the YouTube handle at STMH Podcast. There you can see the interviews and you can see the visuals. You can watch and view our interview guests, see what you think of all of that. It's obviously definitely a better experience when you've got a, a visual, something visual. Well, I know my brain definitely works visually better. I work better when I can see something. So if you haven't already, please do log on to the YouTube check out the channels, drop a comment, let us know what you think of the subjects, or give a subscribe, that's really going to help. Uh, Anything you could do, give a comment, give a share on any of the social media, share us to your story, that's really going to help as well, because what we're trying to do is, we're trying to reach as many people as we can by, as I said, straight talking mental health. If you didn't check out the last episode, we were talking to Angelica Allen around her experience of cancer. So Angelica is Brazilian, she is in Australia, and she was diagnosed with stage 3 bowel cancer. So, ding, that's where I throw the, the YouTube link up to last week's comment. If you're listening, that's going to sound absolute nonsense, but maybe check out the YouTube channel, and then you can see exactly what I'm talking about when I go, ding, to last week's episode, or last episode. Huge thank you to Angelica for coming on, sharing her story. One of the things that stood out for me from Angelica's story was, uh, I think that the big theme that she really seemed uh, to push was, to be so active in in the healing process. Uh, And Angelica made the point of, you know, sleep is medicine. Exercise is medicine. Yoga is medicine. All of these things that she chose to do to help herself. What could she do to help herself? You know, looking after, actively looking after herself. And, you know, not just sitting around waiting for chemotherapy. The other interesting thing, I I thought she made the great point of chemotherapy being kind of like an atomic bomb going off in your body every two weeks as, as she had to undertake it. So having cancer is one thing, but as is often the case, the antidote can be very much worse than the poison. So a huge thank you to Angelica for coming on and telling her story. And if you haven't checked it out already, please do go back on that. If you've had your own experience of cancer, if someone you know or love has gone through it, please you know drop a comment or, or pop me a message. Let me know what that experience was like for you or your loved one. I'd love to hear from you. And that goes across for any any correspondence or any feedback you may have. I, I would love to hear from you. Obviously, it's just me doing the doing this intro piece. So it's great to, to get the feedback from, from listeners out there or viewers if you're watching on YouTube. So please do get in touch if you have something to say around any of those topics. So with all of that being said, let's throw over to Molly as we straight talk bullying. So this week on the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, we are crossing over to Kent, very posh part of England as I know it. She may be quite posh. I don't know. Let's let's find out. I know everyone over in that neck of the woods sounds posh. Whether they are or not, <laughs> I don't know. But you sound it. And for any of our, our listeners overseas, this is what you think of when you think of an English accent. Not You've got your Cockneys, and then you've got your up north, and then there's the rest, who, who, who sound <laughs> quite like our guest today, who is Ms. Molly Leavers. Molly, Thank how are you, you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm definitely not posh. I'm definitely just got the accent. <laughs> I've got a, a very, very Derby accent, so I, I think I'm a little bit, I'm um, like an up on out in Kent. 
Oh, all right. Well, geographically, then, where where is that? Where's Derby? That's kind of like Midlands, like towards yeah. north kind of way. Yeah, yeah. So you, how long have you been down around Kenton? Uh, only about five months, I think. But we were living in Oxford for about four years before. Ah, there you go. So... There you go. Don't tell me that's not posh. <laughs> I'm fucking trying to pull that one. very posh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you're, you're. Are you one of these? Are you one of these filmmakers like that's got loads of money, but you dress really poorly? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> are you just a filmmaker that's really poor, <laughs> like the majority of of filmmakers? <laughs> I think probably that. Yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a profession you go into to make money unless you no. become no, you know, a Martin not. McDonough or a David Fincher or become quite well known. If you're anyone else. You're struggling, <laughs> whether you're an actor or a filmmaker. Um, so before we get into anything, Molly, as our regular listeners to the show will know, we have our feature, Smiles and Riles. Uh, so that is something that's got you smiling or something that's got you royal recently. As our guest, mm-hmm. you get to choose which you go for first. You want to go for a royal or a smile? Uh, I think I'll go riled. No, so oh, all right. well, straight in, positively. straight in, no kissing. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. All right, let's have have at it, woman. Have at it. A few days ago, I um, I was having a conversation with uh, somebody, and they were possibly one of the most patronising people I've ever met in my whole entire life. And I've met a lot of patronising people, but it mm-hmm. was yeah it was mental and I kind of um I came like I came off the meeting and I just kind of sat there for a minute so I was like did they actually just say that and I had like my I have a certain face that I use when people annoy me in meetings and I was using that throughout it I was like yeah okay thinking internally I think you're an idiot mm-hmm. um but yeah that was uh, that was interesting it definitely kind of annoyed me a little bit because it wasn't like it wasn't outright rude I preferred people to be like outright rude to yeah, me but yeah. it was just kind of like little comments and everything and I'm like mm, no no snipey, snipey little remarks yeah, mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. there was absolutely no reason for because we've never met before but yeah it was just kind of like yeah it was just really annoying I, know, and I was... must say being uh feeling patronized is a, is a big trigger for me mm-hmm. that's yeah it's like yeah, exactly it come just, out and just really be explicit like... with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if someone's got something to say, then I prefer them to just kind of like say it and I can deal with it. But when it's kind of like snipe remarks, and then I'm kind of sat there and I'm thinking, well, did they mean it in that way or did they mean it nicely or, or whatever? And then I'm having like a battle with myself, thinking, am I just like, am I just being like pissy with people for no reason? But. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, that was something that kind of annoyed me recently. That's that's a recent royal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go, I go royal. Then we we'll go royal, royal, and then smile, smile. We we'll see how we we'll see how we finish off. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the, in the news recently. Tiger Woods was was playing golf. Did you see the quotation marks controversy around Tiger Woods playing golf recently? I don't think so. I knew mm. I knew that there was something going on, but I Yeah, don't think so I read so basically anything. what happened there was there was a golf tournament on. He was playing with a friend of his. I think he was playing with Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. And Tiger's getting on in years now and he's had lots of surgery and he's kind of come out now and said, Look, I'm gonna play a couple of the major competitions and and that's it, you know, because he mm-hmm. has he hasn't got it in himself anymore. He's been he's been on the go since the nineties. Um so he's getting on. He's you know, he's had a lot of surgery, so he doesn't hit it as far as he used to or anything mm-hmm. like that and 
in golf you've got your driver so that's your that's your big club that you try and mm-hmm. drive it as, as far down the fairway as you can and he outdrove Justin Thomas and their friends you know obviously these guys play on the tour together every week and they spend mm-hmm. days at a time in each other's company and he outdrove him but, and you know it's bragging rights and he handed him a tampon as if to go oh. you know I've, I've done it the old man the old man has beaten you there like you know <laughs> you might need that now this is this is standard practice. It's you know you're on the golf course myself, my mates. So, you know you throw a little mark. Oh, you're back there, are you? All right, I, I'm just up here. I'll see you up here. You know, I'll meet you up here on your next shot. It's it's just that kind of thing. But it's this whole fucking thing now has become a controversy as a practical joke between between two friends. Um, oh, it, it was caught on camera, and there's all a big furore now of it's disrespectful and it's sexist and it's misogynistic and. It's like mm. the simple fact is, and anyone that plays golf knows, and physically, regardless of gender, anything like that, I'm not, not getting into gender, women physically cannot hit the ball typically as far as any man can. And for that, the women's tees on a golf course are a little bit closer. Just mm. to account for the physicality that muscularly, genetically, women can't hit the, the golf ball as far, which is why the mm. women's tees are farther and any of the, the ladies that play on the LPGA that the tees are, are shorter. They don't play off the exact same distance as the men. So it sparked this whole controversy. And I was just like, you know, for fuck's sake, lads, it's a joke. It's a joke between two friends. Calm down. Like, you know, we, mm. we don't need to be taking offense to everything. And a lot of, a few of the big female golfers have come out and gone, I know, Tiger, it's a joke. It's lads yeah. playing practical pranks on each other. You know, it's, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, fuck's sake, do we have to, do we have <laughs> to make a big deal out of everything? Like, you know, let, let, couple of lads just have the crack like you know so that that's my royal this week have you got have you got a smile for me <laughs> i do i um i was at a awards yesterday um and i had been shortlisted for a script that i wrote and i was very very lucky enough to to win it so yesterday oh, i was wow. just in like a, a absolute daze and i'm still in a daze actually mm. i'm just like oh, what um but yeah, and I, it's kind of, it's first kind of film festival that I've ever been to. And I absolutely loved it. Like there were so many films that we watched and there were so many brilliant, brilliant people there. Um, but yeah, it was just really, really fun and exciting. But yeah, that was, that's kind of, I think that's possibly the highlight of my year actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, hopefully you don't peak there. Let's, let's hope there's plenty more for you. So it was a script or a film you'd made. What was what was the award for? Uh, it was a script, script. for this wow. one. Yeah, yeah. So it's very exciting. Thank mm. you. Yeah, well done. A great achievement, and it's to be selected or anything like that, or nominated, and to be and to be the overall winner. Then it's, it's fantastic. It's a great feeling. I've I did some Thank acting you. in the past, and I've done a couple of drama festivals and stuff like that, and I've won many awards. Thankfully, and it's 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 a wonderful feeling to. Mm-hmm be recognized by i suppose by your peers mm-hmm. and just go yeah you know what you did a good job so congratulations to you on doing a very good job by the sounds of it thank you yeah we'll get into all of that in in a few moments where we'll, you'll we'll get all of the background i'll go smile then so obviously we've had a royal so we go smile so this is where i absolutely distinguish myself as an absolute fucking nerd molly <laughs> <laughs> regular listeners <laughs> to the podcast will know i'm an absolute fucking nerd and it's like if anyone was ever in doubt I'm about to I'm about to blow all of that out of the water right now. So it was Valentine's recently, as we all know. And my partner, she was like, oh, what can I get you? You know, because we're both as bad as each other. If you want something, you just buy it for yourself because that's been a yeah. warm up like. So I was like, oh, I don't know what to get you. What will I get you? So I was like, oh, do you know what you can get me? 
it was something I'd considered uh, for a long time. So I, I built like scale models. I don't know if you know what a scale model kit is. It just comes on. I like, think so. Flat flat pack plastic basically you have to glue it all together and then you have to hand paint it or spray paint it and you mm-hmm. know very intricate very intricate details i said oh you can get me one of them so there's a i'm a massive formula one fan i said there's a, a formula one ferrari now i will just say she got me the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> so i was like you can get me the f2000 the first ever the first uh Ferrari, Michael Schumacher won the World Championship. Mm-hmm. So, so you can get me the F2000. She got me the F2001. I was like, it's all right. Oh. It's all right. So what's the difference? And I'm like, I'm having this conversation. Going, this is going to be pointless. I was like, the nose <laughs> is different. The AirPods are different. There's, I was like, oh, it's okay. I said, don't worry about it. But so, but she got me the, she got me the 2001 and I was delighted. Mm-hmm. So I haven't, I haven't built a scale model in absolutely years now at this point. As a filmmaker, you'll know I have a, the last one I have down there, which is half completed, is I have the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah. So I've I've got that, but I haven't touched it in about, Jesus, maybe three years. But I got this new kit and I opened it up and I was like, oh, I remember, <laughs> I remember this feeling. So I went, oh, I went online, bought all the paints I need, you know, and you're very, you know, it's very intricate details. And I, I find mm-hmm. it a very a very mindful activity because it's you know like the the mindfulness coloring books that were all the rage yeah. there a few years ago um you know because you're coloring very intricate patterns and stuff like mm-hmm. that and the um the scale model kits are the very same you know you're gluing absolutely minute little pieces together and hand painting them and you know a lot of the stuff then doesn't even be seen but it's just a the detail and the intricacy mm-hmm. that's required and you know as i look back now obviously i didn't know it at the time i was like Oh yeah, the autism of my fucking head just loves that stuff. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so it obviously appeals to me on 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 many many factors. There's the uh, the mm-hmm. Formula One gear. There's the intricacy of the details, but it's also just kind of like oh, I forgot how much I missed this. Yes. So I'm currently I'm hoping today we're recording in the morning, and I'm hoping there's going to be a notification on my phone for the doorbell. That the postman or the courier is like, here you go, Alan. We've got loads of different paints for you. Now you can start building your model kit. <laughs> and then when I went on to buy the paints online, there was another kit that was there. I was like, oh, just get that as well. <laughs> so, might as well. You, yeah, 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 might as well. Like you know, it's, it's there. It's, it's it's at a reduced price. So um, that's 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 my smile this week. I'm just kind of tapping back into that 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 hobby that I enjoyed so much, but. Haven't had time for it really, <laughs> so I'm oh, off today. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, get... I, I could never have the patience for it. I'm too, I'm too heavy-handed. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really, it really is. And I had a half, I had a half-completed Star Wars at that for anyone, any of the Star Wars fans out there, and that fell and broke. And I think since then I was like, "Fuck this shit." <laughs> so <laughs> that's half broken downstairs. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I'm looking I'm looking forward to getting back into this. So that's that's my smile this week. We've had your smile and again a huge congratulations to you Molly. Fantastic you. for a uh, young lady of your age to be already getting recognition. So bravo, madam. Thank you. But all of that being said, Molly, give us a little background about yourself. We know you're into filmmaking <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as we've just found out. But tell us a little <laughs> more about yourself. So I um I originally started acting uh for from when i was about 13 um so that's kind of like how i got into like the industry as a whole um but i'd never really thought about doing behind the scenes kind of things but then i was kind of badly bullied at school and then i came out of that situation and i realized kind of how alone i felt during that time even though i had like really supportive family 
I thought if if I still feel like this way when I've got wonderful family behind me what must people feel when they don't have that family behind them and and they don't have that kind of support and I it was kind of from that 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 I realized that I wanted to kind of start talking about issues that young people face in the hope that they'll be able to kind of like watch film or or listen to a talk or something and they'll be able to know that someone else kind of understands what they're going through and that there's support available and everything. Um, so it just kind of like happened naturally in a way. It just kind of like that transition kind of because I was still acting at the time where mm. I made my first film. And that was about knife crime in 2019, I think. So I was 15. Um, and then it just kind of like snowballed. And then I realized that I enjoy being behind the camera much more than being in front of it. Um, and and then, yeah, it just kind of everything just kicks off, really. And I've never mm. looked back. <laughs> As an actor, then, did you get asked, oh, what have you been in? What have I seen you in anything? Yeah. Every actor yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was in the background of the Tudors. You might briefly see me flash on there. Otherwise, it's just been a lot of theatre. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned the bullying, Molly. When, when did that start for you? That was uh, I joined I joined secondary school kind of halfway through year seven. So I think I was about twelve. Um, and then kind of because I was I I went to primary school, but then I left when I was six because I had terrible, terrible anxiety and, and school just completely set me off like it was it was terrible. I was very, very unwell as a kid because I'd be so like et up about going to school and everything. So I was homeschooled for like a good kind of I don't know how long it was from when I was about six until about 12, I guess, when I when I went to secondary school. Um, and kind of all was well because I joined that secondary school because I'd been doing kind of gymnastics and I'd made a, a friend there I was terrible but I'd made a friend there <laughs> and um, and and she went to that school but then also one of my oldest friends went to that school as well so I was like oh you know I'll kind of I'll give it a go um, and then it kind of became like a, a friend group and everything was great for, for a few months and then suddenly it just kind of like went very very toxic quite quickly and it would be it it would start off with like little things like there would be suddenly everyone would hate me and I'd have no idea what I'd done like at all like I kind of I'd sit down at lunch or something they'd all get up and leave and I'd be sat there thinking what (laughs) like I had no idea kind of what I'd done or or whatever and whenever I asked it would always be like you know and I'm like, I really don't, else I won't be asking. But um, but a lot of the time it was kind of things that had been made up by someone else and then told to everyone else that was absolutely mm. not true in any way. Because I'm, I mean, I'm awful at being rude to people. Like, even if I try and do it, I can't do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I couldn't sleep at night. And I was even worse when I was younger. Like, I, I never say anything bad about anyone. Um but yeah, and then it just kind of like escalated and then it kept getting worse and then it kind of, and then all of the the group chats started and everything where it's kind of people would message me and be like, do you know about this? And it's kind of group chats about, that have been set up about me, about like how much they dislike me and everything. Honestly, looking back, the time that they had to create that, mm. I wish I had that time, but 
but yeah and then um and then I left school and then when I left school I got a load of comments online because I when I left school I completely kind of cut everyone off because I thought it's just it's not there is no benefit for me to to still be involved in these people because when they were nice they were lovely and everything mm. and but but that kind of up and downness that not understanding whether I'd done anything wrong or or kind of not knowing when the next argument was going to come up or or constantly watching what I said in case in case it could be like twisted around to make out that I was kind of being a bad person I I knew that I just I didn't want that anymore because it was making me ill and I just thought it's not worth it um so I thought that that would be the end of it. And I even moved, like this was when I moved to Oxford and there was just so many comments online about my appearance, about kind of giving me giving me a, a bloody instruction on how to like tie a noose so that I could hang myself and everything. Like it was, I mean, and a lot of these people weren't even involved. And I later found out that it was kind of, it was when they were all on the bus together at home. Because a lot of these people were, were absolutely fine with me I had no issue with them whatsoever they weren't a part of this like group but they'd been like dragged in and suddenly kind of did it but yeah and then it just kind of like fizzled out I guess as kind of people got bored hopefully but but the fact that they did it once I left the fact that they did it when I lived like hundred odd miles away and kind of I mean at the time obviously it was horrible but now yeah. I look back and I'm like that's really sad that you've mm. got enough time <laughs> to kind of find me and and to do that mm. but yeah it was yeah mental and was there any particular ringleader or was it just a collective or what what happened it was at, at the start because i i i went to that school for for about a year and then i left but i still had friends there so then i went back which was possibly massive mistake but <laughs> I just at the time I thought that it would work mm. um so the, the first kind of set that happened there was one particular thing and it was a, a girl who I'd known for years like we'd known each other since we were like babies and everything and our mums had had known each other and um and it was one particular thing that I I think I'd said something like oh, I, I can't talk to you tonight because I'm busy or something, because I was. And I she kept, I think she tried to ring me or something, and I said, I can't, but I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, and then that turned into me saying something about her mum. So everyone stopped talking to me, and rightly so, obviously, because she had made this horrible thing up that I'd said about her mum, mm. which obviously I didn't say. So if I had heard that, I think, oh my God, what a bitch, you know, and I, I wouldn't want to talk to me either. So suddenly I walk out of lesson and no one's talking to me, and I'm sat there thinking, what the hell is going on? Um, so I just kind of, and then I got it out of one of them, and, and I asked, you know, why, what's going on? Why does no one like me? And she said, oh, such and such said that you said this about her mum. And it was horrible. Like, it was a really horrible thing to say. And some, I mean, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even think of saying anything like that, let alone actually, like, saying it. It was, like, a really evil, horrible thing to say. And... And I remember being sat there thinking, how the hell can you believe that I'd say that? Like, these were people that I'd known for like two, three years. 
they'd known that I was I was always the one that was kind of like helping people I'd always be like I was the mum friend like I'm the one with like always the extra food or like the hand sanitizer or something um and I still am but but I remember being sat there and and I wasn't upset at, at the situation I was upset that they believed it the people that knew me believed it when they knew what this girl was like because she made up stuff about everyone like and I understand it because I know what kind of person she was and I know what kind of situation she was in obviously because I know her family and everything so I I understand that and I get that and everything and then it was and then that just kind of like snowballed and it became a massive thing and I had to like move forms and I had to move like whole classes and everything because it just kind of no one will believe me and it's so like even now this is like five years ago even now if anyone thinks that I've said something that I haven't I get so angry and I get mm. so frustrated mm. and I will honestly I'm not a crier but I will just stand there and cry because I'm so like frustrated at the fact that people don't believe me even if it's something really really small but um and then it was the second time that I went back to to the school because I still have friends there and then it was the girl who I used to go to gymnastics with, who used to be like my best friend. Mm. Um, and then she was the one who kind of, I mean, she'd always said things that weren't great. And they're things that I, there's things that she said that I won't ever repeat because it's just, it's not, it's not something that I even want to say, even though I'm not the one saying it. Mm. Um, but yeah, she was kind of the, there was an account made about me and then I think about two years ago, she changed it back to her actual name, which I think is quite stupid. Like first name, last name, everything. Mm. So everyone knew it was her. Um, so obviously she forgot that that she'd made that account and she forgot that that was kind of public and everything. Um, but yeah, she was kind of... But then again, I also, I know her situation and everything. And I, I understand from both of them where it came from. But at the time, it was just... It was just horrible, mm. really kind of crap. <laughs> and at the time, what what impact did it have on your money? Oh God, I was kind of. I mean, I've never been, I've never been like big, but I was. I lost so much weight because I just I couldn't eat because that's kind of whenever I'm stressed out, I don't eat, and it's it's very bad. But that's kind of like the first thing that that shows me that I'm stressed out is that I just can't eat anything. So I just feel mm. sick. Um, but I kind of, I was going to the doctors cause, uh, and they were trying to put me on, on like medication because they couldn't understand kind of what was going on because I just felt unwell all the time. Um, and they like, they checked my blood pressure and they were like, Oh, <laughs> cause obviously I was so stressed out. Um, and then it was only kind of like a few months down the line that they were like, okay, what's like happening at school, kind of what's happening in your life. And I explained and they were like, okay, that's why kind of thing. But, and I think mentally as well, I was just kind of, I mean, I, I was a, a shadow of the person that I was because I'd kind of, I'd just been, I think it's possibly because I was homeschooled. I'd never had that like at primary school and everything like that. I'd never had that kind of like bitchiness. So it was, it was kind of my first time of experiencing and, and now I'd never ever stand for it and I kind of I'd stick up for myself and everything but at the time I never did that so I think that that was kind of a, a frustrating thing 
for me now looking back the fact that I didn't but obviously I'd only do it now because I know and everything um but yeah I mean I was just I was so anxious and I was very very kind of suicidal at that time I'd always kind of struggled with depression but that just kind of like amplified it completely um and it it got down to well I've run out of breath (laughs) it's got down to kind of I got to a stage where I kind of nearly tried to kill myself um and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily because they were telling me to do it but it was just kind of like a that idea was already there in my head already and then it just kind of it was made so much worse by kind of everything that they said and because it's so like it's so overwhelming when you're in it because it's I mean it's it's kind of it's so frustrating because it'd be happening at school and everything and then I'll come home and it'll be on my phone and everything and there was no kind of respite and I think I just kind of like wanted to leave I just wanted a break but there was nowhere for me to leave too so I think that that was kind of where that came from um but yeah it kind of it, it took me a long time to be able to kind of get back to to being like a, a person again and my confidence was just nothing at all uh, so it's taken a good amount of years to be able to get back to that and even now kind of I have I'll, I'll always say to my mum that whenever I feel like I'm not being listened to or whenever I feel like I'm in a situation I don't like I'll get like this lump in my throat like not like I'm about to cry but almost like a sore throat kind of thing mm-hmm. like a blockage and I can't like I can't breathe past it and that's always that's my sign of like no I don't like this let's let's kind of let's sort this out Mm. um but yeah it was kind of it was it mentally it was terrible but physically as well it just kind of I was I was very very ill kind of during that time because of it but yeah it's interesting you mentioned that that lump in your throat that you get I'd very often see that with clients with a lot of unexpressed emotions so a Mm -hmm. lot of repressed anger because it comes up but it doesn't get any mm-hmm. further. So Definitely. Yeah, I'd very often work with clients around a lot of body psychotherapy around, you know, that area. Um, mm-hmm. and many of the many of the, the men I'd see as, as clients and they come in for quotation marks for our listeners, anger management. You know, people that have anger issues. And mm-hmm. very often the two most common issues that I'd see with people with anger issues is they've grown up with an authoritarian parent. Mm-hmm. So whether I was an abusive parent or just a very, very overly strict parent that they grew up in fearing or bullying. Yeah. Now, both of those situations require not being able to speak up, not being able to mm-hmm. act out because the situation will be made infinitely worse. Mm-hmm. So all of that righteous anger that you feel has to be has to be repressed because mm-hmm. if it's expressed, there's going to be further consequences so i'm not i'm not surprised that you have issues with your throat it's a very mm-hmm. common very common for people uh, um, in situations like that with a lot of unexpressed emotions one of the other things i just wanted mm-hmm. to touch on there molly has mentioned is you've kind of um given the perfect example of bullying by girls mm-hmm. uh so bullying between girls and boys tends to look a little bit different yeah typically bullying with with boys is physical you know, they're going to be pushing or maybe hitting or that, that sort of stuff. What we, what we tend to think of as, as, as bullying. Typically with girls, when they bully, it tends to be exactly as you talk about. It's spreading rumors. 
Mm-hmm. It's um, it can be like in your face for our listeners. I'm kind of holding my hand up, going, "Oh yeah, that's her over there. Oh yeah, she said that. Yeah, that, 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 that. But they're doing it blatantly in front of you, so you're left in no denial mm-hmm. that, "Oh my god, these people are talking about me." Yeah. Or you're ostracized, so you're left out. So everyone's, you know, Tiffany's having a party at the weekend. Everyone's invited mm-hmm. except you. This kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you experience that as well, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this, and this is this is like stereotypical textbook example of of female mm-hmm. bullying. So spreading rumors, leaving you out of things, blatantly talking about you in front of your face, whispering, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and while you may go, oh well, you know, you're not being hit; it's not physical. Mm-hmm. It still takes an emotional toll, and it still has a massive impact on on your mental health, as as you discussed. Definitely, yeah. Hmm. you'd mentioned uh, i just wanted to go back rewind a little bit rewind to you mentioned uh anxiety around the age of six is that what you said or it was six mm-hmm. when you left school what, what was going on in your world at that time that was kind of i mean i was very like i was a very anxious child i think i was kind of and i think even down to like when i used to go to nursery and everything like i was so like i think it started off as separation anxiety probably mm. from my parents um and then it just kind of like progressed in into more general anxiety but it was always kind of around school-based situations that was when like the anxiety was was an all-time high and it just there was just something about it that I just wanted to to leave all the time like not even oh I want to be back with my parents it was just kind of like a I just don't want to be in this place Mm. um so I think that school possibly made that quite a lot worse um because obviously everything that happened I obviously didn't want to be at school and I didn't want to be experiencing that um but even when I was at primary school and everything I was very very I mean I've I've been so lucky the fact that my parents were in a position to be able to kind of take me out of school and I know that my mom in particular got a lot of crap for that from both kind of external family members and kind of councils and everything like that even though it's it's it was completely kind of it's completely okay to do but I I mean I don't know whether it's changed now but when I was a kid it was kind of it was still very much like a she needs to be in school that's the best place for her and everything when it definitely wasn't Mm. and I have absolutely no idea kind of where I'd be had my parents have not taken me out of school because it kind of it reached a peak when I was about six and that was when I kind of I was I was very very ill um and I think that I possibly that's possibly like when the depression started as well which obviously looking back is so like young so I've got Mm. a younger sister as well and Mm. she's nine I think um so to kind of to see her now and then know what I was going through when I was nine like I look at her and I'm like but you're so small (laughs) you're tiny you're a child and it's it's insane to think about kind of the things that were that were kind of going through my head at the time and the worry that I had kind of about anything but but yeah it's definitely as soon as I left school I was in a a much better situation and my anxiety is kind of gone now I'm I mean I'm I'm a very kind of stressy person I'll get (laughs) I'll get stressed quite easily but it's Mm. more stress than anxiety because it's more kind of like stress of oh, I've got this to do and now I've got this. And I kind of, I sometimes, my poor mother, I sometimes just have to like use her as a sounding board and I'll be like 
this is exactly what I've got to do. And I'm going to run through a list of it really quickly and mm. I'm going to leave and I'm going to do it. She's like, okay. <laughs> and then just has to sit there and listen to me. Um, but yeah, I definitely kind of, I mean, I always think of like the worst case scenarios and everything, but I think that that's just kind of more personality than, than anything. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in a lot better place than, than I was. And I, I, I mean, I really struggle with kind of, I've got like a metaphobia and kind of I that started when I was very very young I think it's because in order to to make my parents take me home from nursery or school when I was kind of four or five I used to make myself sick so I think that now that has become such like a traumatic thing for me that now anything to do with that I just can't I can't cope with it like any kind of time that I even feel a little bit unwell or something it's like the end of the world for me and I'm so like like I have to put on calming music and everything I have to have mints just to kind of try and not panic um but yeah that's definitely something that I'm still kind of trying to work on I don't think COVID made it any better because it kind of made germs like a massive thing again which obviously it's always been a massive thing for me but it kind of everyone felt the same so then it kind of amplified it but yeah it's that's kind of the thing that I'm working on at the minute trying to like not let myself not take opportunities just in case kind of there's germs or something (laughs) Mm. what was the experience of homeschooling like I loved it Mm. I really really loved it it was kind of it was so it was just I mean there were there was so many people that kind of said oh you know she won't interact with people her own age and everything obviously not to me but to Mm. my parents but I was I absolutely loved it I mean my my oldest friend we've known each other since we were six and seven I think and I met her through homeschooling and uh, I mean we've been friends for 11 12 years now and kind of we we lived in the same place and we've kind of grown up together and and everything so so anyone who says that kind of oh you don't interact with people your own age and everything then it's it's not right because all of the things that people were worried about for me aren't a thing like they were worried that I wouldn't be able to talk to people but I can talk for England (laughs) I'll talk to anyone about anything I don't I don't mind Mm. but um but yeah it it was just it was so needed at that time and I think that it's so kind of important like for people to to see that as an option because I think that kind of the one-size-fits-all approach of school doesn't work yeah yeah. it's it's just it's it's been proven time and time again that it doesn't work but I understand the the fact that it's the way that it is because obviously there's there's a lot of young people in the world and there's kind of less schools (laughs) and and everything so I understand that obviously they can't cater to each and every student but I'm very kind of I'm a massive kind of advocate for any kind of like alternative provisions or kind of homeschooling or anything because it was when I left school that I went to an alternative provision at a college which was kind of terrifying because kind of my last experience of anything like that was terrible so I just kind of thought oh my god I'm just like I'm I'm essentially sabotaging myself because I'm throwing myself into somewhere that's like school but it, I mean it was nothing to do with school and and it was so so different and it it was brilliant really so that kind of that kind of stopped the cycle for me because obviously school and nursery and everything had always been 
terrible um but that kind of it was when I went to college that that kind of like stopped that and then I felt like I could like restart things again Mm. and you said the homeschooling was a positive experience did you feel there was any negatives to it do you think there was anything you missed out on or um I think possibly the only negative would be I mean for me the negative one of the big ones is the the crap that my mum got for it because obviously I mean I I adore my mother um and she got so much rubbish from people and I like I only kind of found out about a lot of it because obviously I was very young at the time but I only found out about a lot of it kind of as I got older and then I almost felt like responsible for that because obviously it was because of the way that I was that she was in that position um obviously she told me not to feel like that and everything but um but I couldn't help it and I kind of I I feel guilty in a way that she had to kind of like pause what she was doing in order to kind of make sure that I was okay and everything but I'm very very thankful that she did because I probably wouldn't be here if she hadn't Mm. um but I think possibly I think maybe if I would have been at school for longer, I maybe would have stuck up for myself a little bit more at secondary school because I think I kind of, I wanted, I wanted people to like me. And I think that maybe I would have learned earlier that that doesn't always work and like people aren't always going to like you. So maybe I wouldn't have put up with as much as I did. But then again, I don't know kind of what person I'd be had it have not happened so mm. I don't know <laughs> and that that was just that desire to fit in was it it became that people pleaser yeah. just looking for that acceptance and yeah definitely I mean it was only kind of even down to like when I left school like my the clothes that I wore like completely changed I remember on like non-uniform days I used to get because I'm I always wear like Everyone always says that I dress like an English teacher, and I do. And I, always, <laughs> I, I honestly, I dress like I'm going for a job interview every single day. And, or, and I remember I wore this kind of this dress, but it looked kind of like Victorian-ish. And it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like a massive Victorian dress with like a mm. corset or anything mm. like that. It was just a normal dress. And everyone called me like an old, creepy Victorian ghost for the day. So, and then the next non-uniform day, I wore like jeans and everything, which I, I hate wearing. You'll never ever see me in jeans because it, it just angers me for some mm. reason, jeans do. Mm. They just annoy me. Um, Is it the texture yeah, so I, or the, the feel of them? I don't or? know. I think it's just kind of like a, like, I can't, I feel like I can't move properly in jeans. Like if I had to run away from someone, I feel like I can't really do it. <laughs> Or like, I refuse to drive in jeans. I mm. hate it because it just kind of, it just, there's just something about it that just kind of, it will put me in a bad mood kind mm. of. <laughs> I, I, here's the therapist. Here's the therapist coming out. I, I find it interesting <laughs> as we talk about jeans, you thought, well, I can't run away. So there's still yeah. that safety association, that fight or flight. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was in London yesterday, I was just, kind of, I mean, I even had my mum with me, but still I was just watching everyone trying to work out kind of if they were, if they were weird or not. But mm. I think it's, I mean, there's so, there's so many things in the news and, and there's so many things that I've heard from like people I know, kind of the, the dangerous situations that they've been in and everything. And it's, I mean, I was in one recently with a very, very odd man who kind of, I I still don't completely understand kind of 
what his intentions were, but I don't think that they were good at all. Mm. Um, and it was kind of, it was posed as as a job opportunity in in film and everything. But the more I kind of got into it and Harvey the more Weinstein I looked at it, I thought, yeah, I thought there's something seriously not right. And I kind of, I asked a lot of people and they were like, no, definitely not. So yeah, it's mm. just kind of like, I think it's that. And I think it's just kind of like, I'm always so hyper aware of the fact that it's so so dangerous i mean the world is so dangerous but also as well it's just kind of like the film industry can be really really dangerous too Mm. because people can pose things as opportunities and people can kind of big that up and it can be really really difficult sometimes because obviously there's there's a lot of rejection in the film industry and you want to be able to take each opportunity that comes along but it's also very difficult to kind of go with your gut because sometimes I'll kind of I'll feel like something's wrong, but I won't be able to pinpoint kind of what what it is. But it will, and I'll I'll turn the opportunity down, and then I'll feel guilty. But then something will kind of come out afterwards that I'm like, yeah, okay, I was right, I was right to do that. But it's really hard to kind of make that call and and to know whether you're doing the right thing. But yeah, I'm definitely. I always think of every time I walk into a room, I I want to know where the exit is, <laughs> just in case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound a bit of a weird question, uh, Molly, and I only ask because I've seen it in so many clients. Do you have any suspicions that's around autism or ADHD or anything like that for yourself? I have all... I've, my friend is convinced that I've got ADHD. Mm. Absolutely convinced of it. Um, and I think... But I, I can't take tablets. Like, I, I, I'm just an idiot. I just can't swallow tablets. Mm. So I've never kind of got it checked. Mm. I've never, never thought about it. But I'm very kind of like like my brain goes quite fast sometimes mm. and I'll, I'll kind of I'll not be able to like sometimes I can think really kind of straight and streamlined and everything and then sometimes it's just like ah, and then I almost feel like I need something to just kind of like quell the noise a little bit so that I can get stuff mm. done the, the yeah, reason definitely. I ask is I would see a lot of clients that's um unbeknownst in younger years that may have had autism and something like that or ADHD and the school environment is obviously not built for someone like that. It may have yeah. sensory issues and stuff like that. I had a client just start recently and, you know, at 14, he had to leave school because just not an environment. Um, as, as you said, those um, requirements, special requirements mm-hmm. that may be needed aren't there. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for many people, many, many, many individuals that may be on the spectrum and may not even know it there's a lot of school refusal there's a lot of being overwhelmed um mm-hmm. so that's that that was the reason i asked that question <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not just sitting there going oh yeah she's definitely on the spectrum <laughs> it, it was more to bring that point up of going there is that possibility for a lot of people that the school mm-hmm. environment the amount of people denies you know a sensory overload um mm-hmm. for them one of the other things yeah, i want to touch I mean... on there uh molly and it's something that i talk about with obviously i'm way way older than you are <laughs> way older and many other clients that i work with you know very often i might work with a parent and stuff like that before i bring in the teenagers and the mm-hmm. teenage client that i may be working with i have a session with the parent first and you know and obviously there's a lot of difficulties in being a teenager and i and i very often say to them i was like oh would you like to be a teenager again and they're like fucking god no jesus christ absolutely <laughs> no way like i was like but would you like to be a teenager i said okay that's now that's when we were teenagers I said, would you like to be a teenager now 
with everything that they have with social media, with smartphones, with mm. all of that. Because, and I, I actually, I, I always make this point is like, at least when we were bullied, we got to go home. Yeah. And you didn't mm-hmm. have to face it again until you went into school, maybe the next day. There's no escape mm-hmm. from it now. Yeah. There's social media, there's the cyber bullying, and, and you, you touched on a little bit, you experienced that as well, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did definitely. the cyber bullying side of it look like? So that was kind of, I mean, I think first of all, it kind of started off with like group chats and everything like that and, and kind of messages sent and and things like the amount of kind of times that I get home, think everything is fine. And then I get like a long ass message from someone saying, this is how I feel about this. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got absolutely no idea kind of what. And by the end, I was getting, I was so like tired of it because each time every message came through, I was like, God's sake, what now? <laughs> kind of thinking, what have I done when I haven't done it? Um, but yeah, and then kind of when, and then when I left, I did kind of YouTube for for a bit. I think I think that everyone goes through that phase where they're like, I'm going to make YouTube videos <laughs> and everything. And mm-hmm. possibly that might I still have, do like, it, Molly. <laughs> I'm fucking grown ass man. <laughs> <laughs> it might have like influenced the filmmaking side mm. of things, possibly. And it might have been like a stepping stone, but... But I did that for a bit and then it just kind of like, I remember I was, I got a notification that I had a comment and I was like, oh, that's weird. Because it, it was from a name that I didn't know and it said like, I can't remember what the account was called, but it was something about me. It was like Molly's something. I think it was like Molly's forehead or something because that was like their main thing that my forehead was big, which I'm, I mean, I don't. I think it's possibly average size. <laughs> My daughter has this weird thing about her own forehead as well. And I'm like, where are you going with this big forehead? It's just not true. <laughs> I know. But um, but I clicked on that. And this was a, I think it was a bit about like half one in the morning or something. Because I'm, I'm terrible at sleeping. So I'll always be up at like mm. God knows what time. So obviously parents were asleep. Family was asleep. And there were about 25 of them, 30. And it was all about kind of like telling me how to kill myself, making comments about my appearance, making jokes about the way that I looked and everything. And I just, I mean, I all about the forehead. I don't, I mean, I've got a rather large nose. <laughs> Everyone knows that I've got a rather large <laughs> nose. No, so why they didn't go for that, I've got no idea. Because it's so like. <laughs> there's so much more that you can do when someone's got a big nose and when they've got a big forehead so so I never understood that but I remember I just felt so sick because I was kind of I was reading through it and then obviously I couldn't tell my mum until the day after obviously because everyone was asleep so I remember going to bed that night just feeling so sick to my stomach and just feeling so kind of like horrible like because even though I'd kind of left school by that point and I could like rationalize it and I was like it's not true they're just assholes you know um but still it just kind of like I knew that I was on my own with that and just even that night being on my own kind of with that running around my head I've got no idea how people can do that kind of for for long periods of time how if they don't have that support and I think that's possibly where like the filmmaking passion kind of started for me wanting to kind of like talk about things that young people face I think that's probably the the feeling where it started because I I just I mean it was horrible and then the next morning kind of I I told my mom everything and it just it was like a weight had lifted Mm. from even just one night 
because then I had someone else externally telling me it's not true um but yeah and then kind of we had to do the whole thing of like ringing the school and everything who did absolutely nothing but still what can you do (laughs) so you did report it and still nothing changed Mm -hmm. nothing yeah I was told that they were put in because two of them had their names on it I knew for certain that that the account had been made about me I knew who was behind that and I think that the school probably knew as well it was very obvious Mm. um but the two people whose names were on it, they were put in detention or like isolation, I think. But I don't think they were at all. I don't think that there's any way that that would have happened. Um, it was just kind of because even when I was at school, it was kind of a case of it's just girls being girls kind of. There's not a lot yeah. we can do about it. And because there were like five or six of them and there was one of me. And even though I kind of, when I was at school and when I was happy, like I was doing well academically and everything, I really enjoyed that side of things. I'd always kind of do things on time. I got one detention and I cried because <laughs> because I was mortified. Mm. Uh, but that was because I was late once. Um, so kind of in terms of academics, everything was absolutely fine. Um, and I was kind of like teacher's pet and everything like that um but my attendance was terrible obviously because I, I didn't want to go in and then that kind of from from the school's point of view they had five or six girls that would kind of pass their GCSEs that had good attendance and then they had one girl who would also pass their GCSEs if she could come in more than she was and the issue was is that I couldn't come in unless this was resolved. So I always felt like I was kind of like pushed out in a way because it was kind of like a me against them kind of thing. And I started feeling like annoying in a way, the fact that it was always like my parents that were having to ring up and having to say, this is happening and everything. Like I remember remember one time, because I used to, because we we didn't live near near this school. So my dad used to pick me up and he parked on like one of the side streets. And I remember walking to where he was parked and it was this girl who had created all of this stuff about me online and everything and her friend. And I was on the phone to my mum and I was saying about everything that had happened that day. I said, such and such said this and everything. And I could hear her behind me and I could hear her saying like, oh my God, she's telling on us, what a bitch and everything. And I'll never forget it. I I mean... (laughs) I turned around and I shouted F off at her as loud as I could. And that was the first time that I'd ever, I mean, I've done it a lot since, but like <laughs> that was that was kind of, that was my breaking point for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, come on now. And then I crossed the road and then they followed me and then they kept going. So then I turned around again and I started mouthing off um, and kind of, because even though I was very like meek and mild when I was at school, kind of when I got angry, I'm quite like, vocal and I'm quite sweary and I'm quite loud um so that kind of happened and everything and they just like started laughing and everything I think it's because they didn't know what to say because they weren't expecting me to actually kind of say anything to them and then I got back in the car and I just started crying because obviously that adrenaline Mm -hmm. had just kind of like gone and I was like oh um and then 
And then I managed to tell my dad what had happened. And he actually drove into the school. I was mortified, mm. obviously, but obviously I understand it because if my sister had come home and that had happened, then oh, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be raging. Um, but he, he kind of went into the school and they refused to see him. And they'd only let him talk on the phone to the woman who had been my counsellor, who was terrible, absolutely terrible, would tell me more about her life than listen to me. And, oh, I will never, ever forget that conversation that he had with her on the phone. He was, I mean, he was understandably pissed off Mm -hmm. at the fact that this was happening, pissed off at the fact that, that it was always him and my mum that were having to chase it, that were having to kind of, because he said to them, the school is not protecting her. The school is not doing anything. So we're having to come into the school and we're having to do this. Um, But yeah, she just, I mean, she couldn't have cared less really. And then we just kind of like went home in a, in a rage, both of us. (laughs) But yeah, it was just kind of like, they, they just didn't, care for them I was the issue because I was the one who was kind of struggling I guess but but it was so frustrating because it it wasn't like I was struggling with the work I wasn't struggling with school I really liked school actually before it all kind of like happened like I I liked the environment I liked kind of the learning and everything like that but but yeah it just kind of yeah definitely I I don't think for, for one second that there was ever kind of any kind of repercussions for, for what they did online. So at the end of the day, I wasn't a student anymore. So why would they care? Mm. Well, what advice would you give to anyone that may be going through something similar, Molly, or even a parent or the school system? You, you've gone through it. You've, you've lived it. So what have <laughs> you learned and what, what advice would you give around it? I think it's... First of all, it's knowing that you're not on your own, like ever, because I think that I didn't really class it as bullying until I left school and until I kind of spoke to people outside of my family about it. And they were like, yeah, OK, that's that's bad because I thought well, I'm not being punched. So mm. kind of it's like what you said, mm-hmm. like I've, I felt like it wasn't enough. Um, even though I do wish that it was physical because then I could kind of like deal with it once and then that's it. Mm. Um but yeah, and it's kind of knowing that, that your experience is valid. And if it's making you feel crap, then it's it's valid enough to want to do something about it. Um, and I think it's kind of not putting pressure on yourself to kind of fit into a, a mould. Because I think sometimes it, it can be really difficult because school can seem like the only option. But there are so many options uh, available that, that you might not know about. Um, and I think it's knowing that that you can surround yourself with good people. Like even recently I was yesterday on the way home, I was talking to my mom and I said, the last time that I was in London, I was still acting. I was still at school and everything. And even if I got the audition, no one will care at all because they're outside of my family. There was no one to tell. Mm. And I came out of, cause there was after the award and everything, there's more kind of exciting things happening with it. Um, and I came out of that and I was on the way home and I texted um, I texted a few of my friends and everything, a few people that I wanted to know. And and the, the messages that I got back were so kind of heartfelt and they were so kind of like, like it wasn't just like a, oh, well done kind of thing. Like it was an actual, like they'd taken the time to kind of 
say what they felt about it if that makes sense and I remember I said to mum that it's just such like a, a stark contrast to to how it was and the fact that that was like four years ago mm. so things can change so much and even though it can literally feel like the end of the world and it can feel like you're never go, gonna be in like a, a good place again you seriously never know what's around the corner you never know who you're gonna meet you never know what's gonna happen or what kind of situation you're gonna be in because I mean four years is not a long time but I I feel like a completely different person to what I was and I've got a completely different like support network um and completely different kind of like prospects and and that can happen in in such a a tiny short time and I think it's kind of live for for each day because it can be so difficult to kind of think oh my god what am I going to do in a few years or anything like that or even in like a a few days just live day by day and then you'll start to realize that you're kind of living for for more than that Mm. you've only just gone through it so you you of all people you're the perfect person to talk about it (laughs) outside of all of that Molly Tell us a little bit about the filmmaking side. So that um, so that started in kind of 2019. And then once I finished my first film, uh, that got picked up by uh, Thames Valley Police, kind of Oxfordshire way. Um, and then I started taking that into um, like schools and colleges and everything and doing talks and workshops with like PCSOs. Um, so that I could kind of talk about my experience and and kind of my my stance on it as a like fellow young person and then they could kind of come in and and talk about the legalities behind it and everything like that and the support that was there Um, so that was something that I really really loved and that's something that I'm hoping to kind of start doing in Kent too uh, now that I've moved Uh, so I kind of it was it was kind of delivering a, a talk and it was getting a message across and everything but I also think it was kind of showing young people that other young people can work with the police as well because I still think there's such like a massive barrier there Mm. and it's it's very kind of difficult and it's very stigmatized and everything like that and I don't think that kind of everything in the news I don't think that makes it any better so I think it just kind of it it bridged that gap because it's kind of seeing a, a police officer and seeing a young person and they're kind of doing something for for good Mm. um but yeah and then it kind of went from there and then I've got a a film that's uh doing a a festival run at the minute so fingers crossed um and then there's some very very exciting things happening in the future that I can't say about yet but it's very very exciting (laughs) can you tell me offline <laughs> no, oh, I'm not allowed. Sake, Molly. God <laughs> damn it, Jesus! I think it. I think it's as well that I never like to jinx things. Yeah, 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 I get it. So I, I, get I only, it. I only ever tell people things if like I know for certain. Mm. Apart from my mum, I'll tell her mm. like anything. Uh, let's let's face it. Actors are a, are a suspicious or a superstitious bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some of the. Some of the acting superstitions. So you don't call Macbeth Macbeth when you're doing Macbeth. You call it the Scottish play. Oh. Um, so um, what's another one? There's, I think there's another one around. You get flowers. You leave them in the dressing room. You don't. You don't take them home. Um, 
acting friends if there's any more you can think of i can't think of any more off the top of my head um but there's there's loads of uh superstitions around the theater and stuff like that and acting so so we won't jinx it you start in theater soon so that's fantastic brilliant brilliant absolutely doing like a a theater in education kind of thing which is very exciting which very new i know nothing about theater so Mm. god knows how it's gonna work for loads of uh (laughs) loads of acting books in the background there loads of theater (laughs) loads of plays Chekhov, yeah, what else? Strindberg, yep, all my, all my active books and scripts. Well, <laughs> most of them are, are all back there. So I think that, I think the good thing about that um, initiative that you're part of, Molly, is that you're a young person and it's not just an adult coming in and, and <laughs> fucking so is it then? And to try to be cool and say, like, this guy hasn't got a fucking clue. Like, but yourself, you know, of a similar age, trying to, trying to reach those young people, um, I think there's probably a bit more of an opportunity to to do something with that so hopefully yeah, so yeah. bravo bravo to you young madam thank yeah. you <laughs> where can people find you online molly where can we learn more about you where can we find you uh i have a website and that is spiritproductioncompany.co.uk and then kind of all i'm more active on kind of like my own socials than like spirit productions and everything so that's all kind of like molly levers on facebook and instagram mm. and all that jazz <laughs> fantastic you're a kid so you're down with the kids so, <laughs> so that's that's where you'll find that's where you'll find molly so before we leave the words of wisdom with molly a young woman but she obviously has years of wisdom tucked away from her experiences of bullying and so grateful for molly coming on and telling her story lovely young woman and we wish her all the best in her filmmaking career Molly, I'm going to say it again. Yeah, you have to let me know. As soon as you can, you have to let me know what this big news is because we're, we're, we're rooting for you here on the podcast. One quick plug on the social media before we go, folks. You know what to do. You know where it is. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, across the board, at STMH Podcast. Check out the website, www.stmhpodcast.com. There you can sign up to the newsletter. You can find and search for all previous episodes. They're all tagged and stuff like that. So it's going to be easier to find them for you know any topic you may have uh, any kind of an interest in there is 121 episodes back there including today's episode so please do check out the website if you want to email that is hello at stmhpodcast.com before we go folks just to let you know what we've got coming up in two weeks we are talking to will craig over in america and will's going to tell us about his experience of the resilience he has developed through the mental health struggles that he's had the therapy that he's undergone and his experience of losing a partner getting worried not hearing from his partner, calling in the emergency maintenance and finding out that his partner had died. So Will's going to tell us all about that, the life lessons he's learned from all of that, about his upcoming book. You can check that out in two weeks. So you know what that means, folks. Come be back in two weeks, same bad time, same bad channel. And in the meantime, look after yourselves and look after each other. Molly, one thing we ask of every guest that comes on, we ask them to share some words of wisdom, some life learning, some life lessons or a motto or a creed that the that they live their life by you've experienced a lot in your in your young years so i'm sure you've you've got many words of wisdom you can share with our audience but <laughs> what is something that you would like to share with everybody out there um oh god you know i had a really really good one that i saw on twitter and now i've just completely forgotten about it <laughs> what was it Oh, yeah, that was it. It was, I I can't remember who it was, so I'm not taking credit for this at all because I'm just, like, paraphrasing someone Mm -hmm. else's words. Um, But it was that 
always be adaptable in the sense of like your situations your job and everything like that can always change and always be willing for that to change and always be willing for that to progress but you can keep your passion there and I think that I relate to that a lot in the sense of like my passion was kind of like the industry and everything and that progressed from like acting to filmmaking and everything um so I think it's kind of not putting so much pressure on kind of going down the correct route or going down uh, the route that everyone else goes down Mm. just kind of letting things happen and letting things progress in the way that they're supposed to be and you will always always end up where you're supposed to be always I think that everything is kind of like your purpose on this earth is already kind of like there and and whether it be kind of like a, a huge impact or a tiny impact or or whatever I think that that's kind of like already mapped out and you just kind of have to let it happen I think Health.